Welcome home. You're listening to 180 Church Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the new 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. And you might recognize that there might be a little bit of a change, whether it's you're seeing it in our logo or uh, the description of even today's podcast. But we're moving into a direction where um, me... Joe, the host, is having a co- will be having a conversation with Pastor Lydia, um, our pastor of transformation and worship leader here at 180 Church, to have a spiritual conversation about you know the sermons that Dr. Sammy shares on a weekly basis, and to see how in our lives or in our relationships and workplaces we can take practical steps to really live out and represent the gospel wherever we go. And so. In this week's installation, in this week's podcast, we're actually talking about how we can create altars so that we can remember the moments in our lives where God encounters us powerfully. You know, so often I think we forget whether it's just our grocery list or, you know, the things we have to do, our to-do list. We forget all the time. But how in our lives throughout our weeks or in our days can we remember how God has been faithful to us and how God has been so good to us? Because it's evident that as followers of Christ or even if you're seekers that God shows up. And meets us and promises us, um, you know, the things that he's going to do in our lives. But it's so easy that we forget. And so Dr. Sammy, along with the retreat that's coming up, we're going to be talking about how we can create these altars uh, so that we can remember who God is in our lives and how he's been so faithful to us. And that he will ultimately do what he has promised. And so here's Dr. Sammy. Today's sermon is given by Dr. Sammy D. Kim, a co-founder of 180 Church NYC a bioethics fellow in global health and social medicine at Harvard Medical School, and a regular contributor at Christianity Today. Today's scripture is from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 20, and chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Sechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord, and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while, because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say that you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, 
they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife Sarai. So Sarah summoned Abram, What have you done to me? He said, Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram and his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So uh, this year, some, uh, a few months back, my wife comes to me. Let's put this picture up. And, uh, and she says, uh, what do you think about uh, me getting a tattoo? You know, and I'm like, why do you need a tattoo? What if I got Sam on my arm? I said, you have Sam written in your heart. We took a vow. It should be in your heart. Not when, you know, it's really, I saw this really pretty test. I said, no. <laughs> See, a lot of people believe I'm the rebel when my wife is the real rebel. I'm wholesome. <laughs> I'm the one that doesn't believe in tattoos. I mean, you guys can get t- tattoos. <laughs> well, it's too late. Most of, you, most of your bodies are covered with tattoos. You're, when you're 40, you're going to want to remove it. When you're getting an interview for private schools for your children, you're going to have to remove all that stuff. So, good luck. But, you know, why, why do people get tattoos? Why do you want a tattoo? I mean, no one goes into, you know, a t- tattoo parlor shop from a tattoo artist saying, you just put whatever you want on me. If this person was a Satanist, they could draw Satan on your back. I mean, no, no, you go get a tattoo because it has what? A special sentiment to you. It, it, that art or that word or whatever that is has a profound meaning. It's meaningful to you. And today, if you look at our culture, you know, if you want to evaluate investments or evaluate what something is worth based on currency, you know, even books, great books of the past are not priceless. You wouldn't say they're priceless, but art. You go to the MoMA, you go to, you go to the Met. There are Van Gogh's paintings and, 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 you know, the Mona Lisa by Da Vinci or Michelangelo's the Sistine Chapel. These are things that we evaluate as priceless because they have special meaning to not just their context, but here in New York City to, to every civilization. So for some reason, paintings and art and pictures have special, profound meaning to humanity. They have special meaning. And so when we look at this passage in Genesis 12, we hear this word. Let's go there together. We hear this word, the word altar. In ancient Mesopotamia, about 3,800 years ago B.C., before Jesus, when the Old Testament is sort of being lived out in Scripture, we see that 
in verse 7, it says that in, in, um, at the time the Canaanites were in the land, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I will give you this land. Now, uh, right here we're talking about modern-day Middle East, Iraq. We're talking about all the conflict between you know, the, the nations gathered in the Middle East. And God says, to, you, to your offspring I will give this land. So he built, it says, and read that with me, and what? A and altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now in Genesis 12 is the first time in history where you have the idea of a monotheistic Islam, Judaism, Christianity. We all point to Genesis 12 in the Torah as the monumental moment where civilization as we know it, which is in the East, goes from a polytheistic to a monotheistic idea of God. One God that governs the universe. And here, God, God chooses Abram, reveals himself to him in Revelation. And from there, he went toward the hills east of where? Bethel. Now, for those of you who grew up in church, you know, how, many know, how many people know a church named Bethel when you were growing up? My, my home church, when I was growing up in the States, my parents helped plant a called Bethel. And so this is where we get the name where God revealed himself to Abraham. And so uh, from there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. And remember, there are nomadic tribes. They're traveling to the land that God promised them with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Now, what is an altar? I'm not talking about the altar today at weddings or at churches when this text in Genesis says that he built an altar. What was that? Well, in ancient Mesopotamia, an altar would be piles and piles and piles of rocks. Sort of like the Stonehenge in, in the UK and England. People are still, you know, scratching their heads what it could be. Historians are thinking through it, but most likely it's a you know, burial ground of some sort, some type of meaning there. But what would be an altar look like in Mesopotamian Valley? Well, it would probably look like piles of rocks to try to mark where this was. Because God revealed himself to Abram in this particular geographic location, and he wanted to remember it. Because in the Middle East, rocks are in full supply, and so there's also a lot of sand. So you want to what? Make it distinct as possible. So then, for those of us then, not in 30, you know, 3800 BC, but the 21st century, 2019, how do we create altars in the 21st century? When we go outside, there's concrete cemented in the ground. How do we create altars in the places God meets us in the city? Well, we can't take rocks. What can we do? What does 21st century altars look like? And that's why I bring the picture of the tattoo up, right? There's art everywhere. All of you here, even those of you in finance and sciences, are artists. You're like, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. You take pictures every day of meaningless things to try to make us jealous. No one cares about your lunch, especially with those pictures of yolk pictures. Stop that, by the way, making me hungry. But yeah, every day we snap photos 
and put it up in something called Instagram. No one uses Facebook anymore. This is for old people, not like me. And, and um, so there's plenty of supplies that we can make altars, I would suggest, through pictures. Taking pictures, creating them, and making them meaningful. Because Abram took what was in full supply and created something to, to what? To remember what God has done in his life. And so the question I have for you today is, how can you make meaning of what God is doing in your life today? How do you commemorate that? How do you celebrate that? So let's put this picture up. Here is a painting I have in my house. This is a painting by my mentor, Leighton Ford. He does water painting. He took water painting at 74 years old. He's become quite good. And now he's retired. All he does is paint beautiful pictures. And I have a couple of the paintings that I, I procured in a very difficult way, by the way. This is one of the originals. And, you know, um, this painting is a painting of his dog that died a few years ago. And the painting means that one day in God's country, when he sees his dog again in the Lord, he'll be reunited with him. For me, this painting is a powerful reminder that God is the same yesterday and what? Today and what? Tomorrow. For Leighton, this painting is important to him because he, he actually wrote, I'm, I'm not joking, okay, I have this book. He actually wrote a book based on this, his dog right here in this painting. How his dog was his spiritual director. You're like, that's crazy. It is. But dogs can't tell time. Did you know that? They're impatient and whatever. They, they come to you when you come home. They're like, you know, cats, they're not, they're not going to heaven. But, but uh, that's a theological, uh, anecdotal theological statement that I firmly believe. I can't prove. But, but, um, but dogs, they, they, they're so eager to meet you when you come home. Because it's not that because they've been waiting long. All they can see is the present moment. They, they, they know how to be present with you. And so what Leighton talks about is this painting. He, he painted it because he wanted to remember how God met him through his dog that he adopted. It taught him how to pay attention to God, how to pay attention to the people in front of you. So a lot of times, what, what do we do? A lot of us. We're, we're always thinking about the future, right? When I get that girl or that guy or this job, or when I get this accolade and the, you know, an Academy Award, or, you know, when I get this letter after my name, or this amount of columns in my bank account, then I'll be happy. And most of life becomes a blur. We don't know how to be present. We don't even know how the Lord meets us here in this moment. And that's why we have to take pictures. We have to create altars to cherish what God is doing in our lives, or we'll miss it, we'll forget it. Because how many people here are forgetful? Do you remember what you ate last night? See? You're, all, all of you are just beasts. All you remember is what you have eaten. You don't remember anything else. I mean, a lot of us forget, and human beings have a tendency to forget quickly. You know, Stu, who spoke a few weeks ago, I was really surprised by this. 
It was a great message, by the way, wasn't it? Right? You did a great job. He looks more like a pastor than I do. <laughs> and, um, and he spoke about videos that we'd done. He, he mentioned X, who came to Christ five, six years ago, and then Boyd, about the similar time in, in small groups. And he, he says that he got their stories of what we've created, right? Their, their, their videos of, of baptism stories. And then right after the service, Wendy Lee went to Stu and, and tapped him on the shoulder. Hey, buddy, you forgot me. <laughs> She's about to punch him out. Did you see Wendy Lee's new tattoo? She looks, she looks wicked now. She's scary. And, um, you, and Stu's like, she goes, you led me to Christ. And Stu had, Stu had like deer cut in headlight. When did this happen? <laughs> I did? And, and a couple of people said, hey, you led me to Christ. And Stu's like, I forgot. <laughs> I'm like, that's like forgetting the birth of your children. <laughs> like, I'm telling Nathan, Dad, you're my dad. I'm like, you are? Nathan's like, you're, you're my dad. I'm like, you're, no, no, I'm not. No, but it's like, we have a tendency, we have a propensity to forget even powerful, powerful moments in our lives. A lot of us already forgotten. If you've been saved maybe a decade ago, you've forgotten the sentiment and the power and the love of God that you experienced, the euphoria that ushered you into the kingdom of God. It's so easy to forget. And some, I mean, Stu is the one preaching about community, and he forgot he saved his own community. <laughs> Knucklehead. No, <laughs> no, but I thought it was just funny, and, it's, it's a, and, and I forget. I mean, we all have a tendency to forget, and that's why we need pictures to prove it. Some people tell me, I, I meet famous people, they go, no, you didn't. Picture or, or you're lying, right? I mean, here's the picture. It happened. <laughs> and, and so, for, for a lot of us, we need to create altars in the location or the places that God met us. For Abraham, for Abram at this text is, is what? Bethel. Where has God moved in your life? Have you forgotten what God has done? No wonder you can't tell other people about Jesus because you've forgotten what Jesus has done. You've forgotten forgiveness, the redemption, the brokenness, the healing. You've forgotten because human beings have amnesia, spiritual amnesia. We struggle with it. That's why Abram went out of his way, not because God is obsessed with a bunch of rocks. And the altars are not for God. God never forgets, the Bible says. The only thing he forgets are your sins. Amen? Thank God for that. There are many of them. I see right in front of me, many of them. But God's forgotten. But God never forgets what he has done in your life. And if you look at the Torah, after Genesis, look at the book of Exodus. God says, through the power of reputation, he says, do not forget what the Lord has done. Do not forget what I have done for Israel. Do not forget the Lord your God. That's the one commandment that's repeated over and over again in Exodus. But that's the one commandment many of us forget. That instruction, what the Lord has done in our lives. No wonder... We don't feel the power or the presence or the motivation to tell others about that power because we've forgotten it. That's why altars are key 
So how will you create altars? That's one of the other things we will do at the retreat, create altars again. And for those of you that are creative, I want you to make a computer program or an app or a painting, something you can look at. And I, I think, honestly for me, the easiest way that I keep track of altars is through Instagram. So the first way we can create altars in the first uh, 21st century is, read it with me, is using what? Instagram as worship. You're like, can you? Yes. Because every other thing you put on Instagram are usually meaningless. And Instagram can become a great distraction, bring envy and bitterness and jealousy, and it could actually make, make you toxic. Because the microcosm of, of social makes us compare our lives to other people. And if someone is, seems like they put their highlights, and when we're experiencing our bloopers, we just feel like, oh, what is, what, why, why, do I, why do I suck? They're so awesome, and we suck. We hate that person. But if Instagram becomes worship, then we will focus not on others, but on who? On who should we focus on? Me. Tell someone next to you, me. me. I'm going to look at my Instagram more than I look at your Instagram. Leighton Ford, one time, as a, a, at a retreat, I really thought this was ingenious in using technology not to make us further isolated from each other because we're not really interacting. He, we were doing sessions and he was teaching us and at every 15 minutes his phone, his alarm was going off. And he went to his phone and turned it off. And after 10, 15 times I just lost it and I said, come on Leighton, let's focus here. I told an 85 year old man, <laughs> let's focus here, in front of 12 national leaders. I'm like, come on. Because I think that they were thinking what I was thinking, and they were like, yeah, someone said something at the audacity. I go, come on, Lane, you're t teaching us about paying attention to God, pay attention to us, not your phone. You go, oh, Sam, I'm glad you brought it up. This is a good lesson. They come for a lesson. <laughs> Every 15 minutes, I have an alarm to remind me to pray for you. <laughs> okay. Every 15 minutes, I have, the alarm goes, I, I'm reminded that I need to pray short prayers to God to pay attention to what he's doing so I don't forget. That's the alarm. He's using technology to help him focus back, put his eyes back on God, not the notifications, not the comparisons. And that's what altars do. They bring us, they, they bring us and our focus back to him. So how are you creating altars? How are you going to create altars. Today, I pray that you begin to create those altars. Pictures, paintings, whatever it might be, whatever that could work for you, but altars are necessary for you to remember the power of God in your life. So, consider Instagram as worship in the 21st century. They had a lot of rocks. Today, we have our phones. It's accessible. You can archive them. I pray the Spirit would remind you today of all the things the Lord has done. Amen? Do not forget, the Bible says. Okay, so secondly, let's move down. So here, we didn't read this part. So Abram went up to Egypt to Nadgeb with his wife and everything he had. 
and Lot went with him. And it says that Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold because he lied to Pharaoh. Remember we just read this? He lied to Pharaoh about Sarai being his sister because she was pretty hot. And he really thought that they would mug him and kill him and take his wife. Because Pharaoh is the most powerful person in Mesopotamian Valley, powerful nation. So he just thought that it would be easier, hey, because they were half brother and sister as well. And he goes, hey, this is a half a lie. And Sarah's like, you know what he's going to do to me if he says, everyone's like, but I'll live. And Sarah's like, this is not very romantic. <laughs> like, I could become another man's wife, but I'll live. How are we going to get out of here if I'm married to him or tethered to him? We'll figure that out later. <laughs> I mean, and because of that, Abram receives all these gifts from Pharaoh, like livestock, gold. Because what, that's what you do in ancient Mesopotamia. You pay people in cows, livestock, gold for marriage. And I mean, I can't believe this is the father of our faith. I mean, you know how like people you look up to? This is not one of those guys you look up to. He basically threw his wife and said, and save me and do whatever you want with her. I mean, he, this is not a man of character. And, and that's encouraging at the same time. Some of you in this room are thinking, man, my life is so far from God and my character is so shady. Tell someone next, you're shady, man. You're shady. That's good news. This is where grace began to take its stride in your brokenness, in your shadiness. It's not like Abraham was like Mother Teresa, like took a vow of poverty and started just, you know, serving the poor and the lepers in India. No. Abram, the father of monotheism, the father of Israel, begins with a lie. He's a shady character that God begins to refine at 75. So he becomes rich for lying. He becomes blessed, like God says in Genesis 12, for lying about his wife. He is rewarded for that. Not because of his ability, but because of what? Because of what? Grace. Tell someone grace. It's all, it's all grace. All the people that finished medical school in our church, all grace. Amen? <laughs> all grace. Sometimes the highlights of believers' life look so like they're, they're like the top 1%. They're awesome, shining in their white coat. And they're the smartest, you know. People getting into med school now are looking up to them and stuff, you know. They're so smart. But really, it was all grace. But so Abram becomes wealthy as a result of the covenant that God has with him because he's, his life is in God's hand and because of obedience of the call. And so it says this, very, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel. He's searching again for that place, that altar that he created, right? Because he knows all this money that he just acquired, it's not because of his faithfulness. All this blessing he just acquired wasn't because of his, you know, IQ or genius. He knows that this is God's goodness and God's promise. Until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had his first 
built an altar. There Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Can you imagine that moment when he came back to that place where God called him and said, I will bless you to make you a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And he probably got on his face and said, God, I don't deserve anything. I'm so dumb. I'm so undeserving. And usually the place of altars is that place where we go back because of joyous moments or redemptive moments because we know we don't deserve what happened. That's why altars are particularly so important in the 21st century. Because you need to go back to the place God met you because that's what faith is all about. Faith means that you have, what, hope for the future. Not because of your ability, but because who God is. Amen? So I told you that I grew up in a church named Bethel. So let's, let's look at this picture. Here's my mom and me. I, of course, one of the few pictures I have of my mom, I'm 17 here. My eyes are closed. This is, a remind, this is a reminder how God uses dumb people for his glory, you know what I'm saying? I mean, come on. And how many people here hate taking pictures sometimes, like those group photos? You know, like Henry is the guy that always wants to take a picture of everybody. I'm one of those people, come on, man. Why we got to take a picture? Henry's like, so altered, <laughs> so we can remember this moment. And, and, you know, I'm so grateful people like that because a lot of times I'm living for the future. And the present is a blur. And the past is a blur. And all I'm looking is for that one thing that's going to make me happy. But here in this picture, now it's been about a decade since I lost my mom. You know, my mom once told me that her prayer, her prayer was that I want you, we came to the States as immigrants, so you can become a pastor. No, no, she that never, ever crossed their mind. <laughs> never crossed their mind. We came to America so you, so you make us rich. No, no. My, my mom and my, my, my father, uh, before the Korean War, was, they were teachers, professors. And my mom said, you know, it would make me really proud if you could become, because I think professors change the world. You know? Um, and I'm praying for that. I'm praying for that. You know, I look at my mom's prayer. I look at this picture of how God meets us. And this is what I thought about, partially what I thought about here at Harvard inauguration, the new president. When I became a professor at my college at 25, I was like, whoa, I, I fulfilled my mom's dreams. Then, contributing faculty at Fuller and Wheaton, which is the Harvard of Christian schools, and I would really be proud of that. It's the Harvard of, Christ Harvard of Christian schools. I thought I fulfilled my mom's dreams. But God, last year I walked across Harvard Yard for the first time, and I didn't even walk at Harvard Yard before, with other faculty in procession. And walking through the, through the yard of all Harvard students, graduate students, they're looking at me like I'm Yoda with other couple hundred faculty. When I look at these pictures, 
I look at my own weakness. And my friend who went to Harvard, actually, and had walked to Harvard Yard many times, said, dude, it took me four years to cross that yard. And I didn't go on the stage. It took you one year to, walk, to go on the stage. That's so not fair. I said, I know, man. I could have said, I'm awesome. I said, it's grace. God's promise to Abraham is, my, is prom, his promise to me through faith. Fulfilling what? That promise, that faithfulness to my mom. And, you know, he said, you know, I wonder what your parents would have thought if they were alive. I said, my parents would have said, yeah, right. <laughs> my parents, my brother and crazy, like, say, is that Photoshop? It must be Photoshop. I go, it might be. But when I look at the picture, I know my mom was looking. And she knew in her heart that God can do that. God can move in people's lives in unimaginable ways. That's why altars are important. That's why we got to go back to the place. And even like Abraham who lied, who's blessed for calling. And don't get this the wrong way. You're like, okay, I'm just going to be shady and God's going to bless me. That's not a point here, okay? point is not like sin more. Okay, if I sin more, then God's grace will abound more. No, 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 that's not what I'm not talking about here. Don't take that, okay? You smoke up yet. Dr. Sammy said I could cheat and lie, and God's going to make me rich. No, no, that's not my point. My point is, in your weakness, if you discount the calling and you go, well, you know, God can't use me. God can't do his plan through me because I'm so far away, so far removed. No, I'm saying don't discount yourself from the calling because it's his grace that will carry you, amen? It's your grace. The word nostalgia has two Greek words, nostos and agos. Nostos means pain. Agos means homecoming. For me, in many ways, when I look at some of these pictures of what God has done, when I look at this picture, it's a lot more powerful because of the nostalgia than when I was there at the moment. Because when I was there at the moment, I, want, I told you I wanted to go get a taco truck instead of go to the inauguration. It's like, do I really belong here? But when I look at the picture, I feel the nostalgia. And then I could connect the dots of what God was doing in my life all along, the artist of the soul. And a lot of times this is true. The memory of the event is more powerful than the event itself. Because in the beginning, you can't understand how important it is. I could not understand how important my mom would be to me more so than today. And I loved my mom at 17. But when I look at almost 30 years back, when I, that or 20 years back, <laughs> I'm almost dead now. But I love her more because of what? That memory, that picture, I feel nostalgic. I feel a, 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 home, a painful homecoming. That's what altars do. They bring you into a painful homecoming that fuels your worship. And then you realize, wow, God is so faithful. God is so good. God's presence is so alive. And in the darkness and in the pain and in my doubt, God is moving all along. All along, he was there. And I look at my mom's promise as she was praying at Bethel. 
And the church she built, that altar she literally built with my dad and other immigrants. Like Abram built that altar called Bethel. And I remember that God, that's where God meets me. It's where God met her and her children. The blessing of the Lord. So, as I conclude today with this altar, I took a new altar picture recently with 180 church on it, and it's a surprising one. Let's go there with that picture. Well, while I was at Harvard, I didn't share this with many people, um, I was offered a selected to, to Penn's program, an executive doctor program for future presidents. Um, they accept 22 people per year. And so if you're in this program, it's a two, three-year program, you, you get an executive doctor in education, plus they help you get an appointment to one of the major universities in the United States and around the world. Um, and my faculty director, fellowship director, is the one that recommended me for it, and I was accepted. I was one of the 22. And I remember when God called me to Staten Island, New York, from Manhattan. I grew up in Manhattan for most of my life, right near Columbia. And um, when God called me to Staten Island, this was my fear. God wants to bury me in obscurity. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you, okay? I was like, God, I don't understand. Like, 18 years old. God, I don't understand. Well, I met my wife in Staten Island, so hey, that would have been the greatest prize. But I was still scared, I was still scared of obscurity. It's like, God, I don't know how you're going to start any kind of meaningful impact in my life in Staten Island. They have the dump there since they removed it. I believe my coming in Staten Island is why God removed it. I would have left. <laughs> and so, seriously, in 20 years, that was my fear. And, and I asked my wife every year. She got annoyed at me. I said, honey, why does God want me in Staten Island? <laughs> Marry me. <laughs> yeah, but why? God want me in Staten Island. In, in, uh, before we started our site in, in the city, and before all of this came around, in the, in the moments of darkness where God's promises to, to bless you, to be a blessing. In Deuteronomy 36 and 28, he says that he'll lift you up among the nations, high above the nations to represent him, if you fully obey him and obey his commandments. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that 180 Church, if you look at this chart, would be next to Caltech, Harvard Business School, okay? The University of HEC Paris, that's like one of the best business schools uh, in Europe, and Wharton School of Business. They're next to each other. And people are thinking, looking at the profiles of the pen, what's 180 Church? <laughs> Everybody, they know everything else, Harvard Business School, the managing director of Harvard Business School is in our program, right? He's the one that admits Harvard business people. So if you want a recommendation, come talk to me. They're going to cost a lot. No, no. But, but, but here it is. You're buried. You, a lot of us are afraid that if we fully obey, fully surrender, like Abraham, to leave everything we'd known, our land, our language, our direction, that we're going to be buried in obscurity. <laughs> we're going we're to be buried in obscurity that, that God won't keep his promise that all we'll end up doing is lose let me tell you when I saw this chart and, and it says research 
fellow quad fat pastor, they're thinking, a pastor? What's 180 Church? But now, anyone from 180 Church applies to Harvard Business School. I know 180 Church. I went to school with them. God is expanding our influence even when we can't see it. We, even when we can't connect to dots, God is moving because Bethel, that altar is the place where God meets us. Amen? Today, I don't know where you are with your life today and where your struggles are, but if you struggle to trust that God will come through in your life and move through your life, as he promised Abraham. That's one thing I can assuredly tell you, that the covenant, God keeps his promises, amen? That's why we have to visit the altar. So, how do we create altars for the 21st century? Well, secondly, and lastly, nostalgia. Use nostalgia as fuel. So when you go back and revisit the picture, the painting, Whatever that you've created, it fuels your worship. Because you remember what you've forgotten. You remember what God has said. Can you imagine that? Today could be a holy moment in your life. Where you say, Jesus, I give my life and, and, and give it, turn it over to your hands. I put my life into your hands, Jesus. Do with it as you will. Bring it glory. Hey, everybody. So we're back with the new installation of our podcast called 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and Friends. And today I'm here with Pastor Lydia, who is a co-founder of our church, 180 Church, pastor of transformation and worship leader. Hello, Pastor Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Joe. How are you doing today? Good. Cool. So thanks for joining us today. Um, and we're here to talk about, I guess, the most recent sermon that Dr. Sammy shared with us yesterday. Um, and it was about altars. And I have a lot of questions regarding, um, I guess, how we in the 21st century today, like really go about how we can set up altars so that we can remember encounters with God. And so I guess I wanted to just start by um, picking your brain about, you know, what you think about altars and some of the altars that you might have in your life mm-hmm. also. Yeah, I I love that Abraham created an altar and mm. that we can do that in the 21st century. Mm. Um, I love what Sam mentioned, you know, Dr. Sammy, my husband, right? Yeah. Um, I love what he mentioned about um, altars of Instagram. Because mm. I see him do that a lot when he has, um, you know, a special event that happens. He always steals my photo and... He steals your photo? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am the photographer. That's true. Actually, I must say, he takes good pictures sometimes. But um, <laughs> he steals my photos. No. He takes photos and he writes beneath it to remember when he, when he looks back. And mm. also, I know others look at it too, but... He's able to look back at it and look at it mm. and kind of remember that moment of beauty where he felt God's presence, right? Mm, yeah. um, I do something similar, um, but I also, I was actually thinking about this, like what are other some other ways to have altars right. or build altars? Um, 
Sometimes I dry flowers. You dry flowers? I do. And you like collect them? Yeah. Um, Or I'll pick flowers and I'll put it in a vase um, Mm. as an altar. Um, I'll even have plants. I'll have um, pictures like uh, Polaroid pictures of moments and people. Mm, And I'll have it where I can see them. And it reminds me of the relationships that God is building. Mm. And, um, and also reminds me to pray for people that are in the pictures mm. to uh, get to know God closer. Right. Um, sometimes altars can be, I think, um, like a souvenir, you know, mm. from a place. Uh, sometimes jewelry, sometimes a mug. Mm. I think there's all sorts of um, altars. Right. Sometimes I don't even realize it, but there are these, um, uh, what is the word? Not mementos. Is that what it is? Mementos? Yeah. yeah I, think, like, I think that was like the word I had in mind. Oh yeah. Just like something to remember something or someone by. Mm-hmm. Or? Yeah, exactly. Mm. So it doesn't just become stuff, but it becomes something more meaningful, Right. you know, and you remember moments and what God is doing mm. through certain objects that you have placed in the home. Right. I see. So it's very interesting because, you know, a lot of the times, you know, I think not that I collect things, but, you know, sometimes I'll have like Polaroid pictures, like you said, in my wallet or I'll have like, you know, cards that some like people would give mm-hmm. me. Like I would I hold on to the cards, even though like I might not look back at it again, mm-hmm. um, you know, but every time I see these items, you know, I get nostalgic is definitely the best word for it you know i'm just i just i'm just remembered like oh like people people went out of their way to think about me and such like that do you think like for you and your mementos and your altars it's like you like what feelings do you experience when you're like looking at these items or these things that you you know imbue meaning and thought to um he said yesterday that nostalgia is two Latin words, mm. right? Which means it's pain and... Homecoming. Homecoming. Yeah, like nostos and agos. Yeah, I think definitely when I look back at even cars, like you mentioned, there is like a, like a sting you feel in your heart mm. of pain, but also it's like a remembrance of that something is that much deeper than the surface, I think. Mm, For me, that's what it feels like. And when I read even words of, you know, an old card, a Mother's Day card or a birthday card or whatever it may be, I think it reminds me of how... um, It reminds me of the strength of the relationships that I have with people Mm. and how God is the center of them. Like, for me, though... It, it reminds me of those things. And I think that even though the person might not be in the room with you, when when I read those things, uh, whether it's an appreciation or just uh, or a prayer request, whatever it may be, I think it reminds me to turn to God. And it reminds me, it actually strengthens the relationship in Christ more because mm. I'm able to remember the things that I've forgotten. Right. Do, uh, can you share a little bit more about that? Like, like what, like what about the experience makes you feel like? Because I, I remember Dr. Sammy said it's something very powerful about um, the memory of his mother. You know, like mm. even though as much as he loved his mom at 17, mm-hmm. his memory of his mother serves so much of a stronger force in terms of how much he 
can love. And I thought that was very interesting because, you know, I'm only 24 mm-hmm. and I'm not like quite there yet. Even though I feel like now that I'm older, the love I have for my mother or my parents is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not sure like what it, what the magnitude of what Dr. Sammy was describing was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just wondering if you had any thoughts about that. I don't know if this really answers it because it's about me, but mm. you could kind of whatever. But when you asked me that question, this is what I thought. Okay. Mm. So I remember I was reading. So I have boxes of cards mm. of, you know, cards that people write me throughout the years um, for Mother's Day, birthday, right? And I was reading a card once um, from one of the members of the church. And, you know, after maybe some time um, since I received it and it said to the world, you may be one person, but to the one person, you may be the world. And I think at the time I was kind of like not really thinking about how my relationship may be impacting someone, Mm. you know, because it's easy to go day by day and doing, you know, and being faithful to God, but you're not really thinking about your impact per se. Mm. And I think when I reread that card, for whatever reason, this moment, it really hit me. Someone had written that to me and I was really surprised by, I guess, just joy and the reminder like, oh, who I, like what I do matters. Mm. And it was a powerful moment of worship for me. Like, Lord, you know, I think it's so easy to go about, you know, your life, even being faithful to you and not really realize the meaning and the meaningfulness that's around me. And for me, it was a reminder, like, like I felt like I, heard, I felt like God was saying, and also this person was reminding me, like, what you do matters. Hmm. Thank you. And for me, that was very encouraging but also very impactful and it gave me strength for and also i guess you know how reminders tend to motivate mm. us in different ways right. um to move forward in a very different way i guess mm. so well that's just pretty it's really insightful and it's because i think um you know because i'm not just just for me personally speaking i don't think i'm like very sentimental or like nostalgic Mm -hmm. to the sense where like i look at things and then it reminds me of you know there's a certain meaning behind like the things that i do or like it's 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 it kind of slips by me you know i forget Mm -hmm. um and i think that's just kind of something that you know dr sammy really touched on is that we often forget so easily you know and Mm -hmm. um you know but when i when i speak with you and i talk with you about like um you know, the matters of what God is doing in my life and mm-hmm. such like that. It's like always a really fresh reminder that you remind me of God's faithfulness or God's promise and, you know, that God is there for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, don't forget, like, you know, God was there for you in this moment or like mm-hmm. I had a dream mm-hmm. about you, about what God is doing. And so, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm just curious for us that like just go through the motions day by day and like just are so in the future and thinking Mm -hmm. about like what's next what's next what's next um how do you stay so grounded is my question about like remembering god in just the daily moments and like you know Mm -hmm. like erecting these altars so that we can Hmm. 
Well, I think definitely um, turning to God on on a daily basis. I think today's BRG mm. s- uh, spoke about that. It was, was the one about working out. Is that yeah, exact? the one eighty BRG. I'm which taking is that our, one to heart. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you liked that one. I know. You, I know you liked it. But um, yeah, so BR one eighty BRG is our Bible reading group on mm. Instagram. One eighty BRG. That's the handle, right? Yes. And today's text that I shared was stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. You like that one, right? No, I do. I do like that one. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, mm. making you fit both today and forever. And I think part of that discipline is remembering who God is each day mm. and turning to God each day. And um, people have different practices. You can meditate, you can journal. But for me, because my life is so chaotic at times, like I'm pulled at so many different needs um, and so many different dynamics that for me, when I'm able to type something out or write it out, I all of a sudden it just becomes very concrete. And so for me, a spiritual um, exercise, I literally feel like I haven't been to the gym in a really long time. Um, In the same way, spiritually is like, if I stop writing Hmm. the things down that I'm speaking to God, like I tend to forget quicker. Hmm. So for me, I even take like, um, like, I don't know, like a few seconds even, and I'll just write it down. And so my notes will have like piles and piles and piles of little notes of um, what I'm saying to God and what God reminded me of. Mm. Yeah. So I think spiritual exercise daily um, is very important. For sure. And do you think you exercise that with like your Instagram also? Because when I look at your Instagram or even your Instagram stories, Mm -hmm. um, it just seems like to me the way I see it is like, it's it's a very intentional pause in the day to re- either reflect on beauty or mm-hmm. like growth or you know you know blessings that you f- you're feeling from god you know and i know dr sammy mentioned that we we can utilize technology to our advantage to connect with god and connect with others and i'm just wondering if you know if that's like part of like that discipline you're talking about so you're talking about my personal instagram right yes. right yeah so no it's true i I do do that. You do that. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> you know, I think f- for me, um, personal Instagram is really more about me leaving my door open for mm. people. So it's like me saying like, hey, I am living this busy life or whatever, but my door is open here. I see. So um, it's my way of being hospitable. Oh, I see. Out. Because there's like different types of people that, you know, follow. I don't have a huge following at all, but I have um, not just believers, but friends from uh, my kids' schools and different dynamics of people following Mm. and that I'm in relationship with. So it's like me saying, hey, I can't share with you everything, but Mm. my door is open and this is a little peek of what's going on. And in that... I guess window or I guess it's a window or right. door. Yeah. Um, I kind of like lay it out on the table. Like this is who God is and this is how God is speaking to me mm. in a way that's kind of more relatable, I guess. Mm. So uh, whether it, uh, 
non-believing person or a believer, they look at that, they're like, oh, okay, so that's how Lydia experiences God. Maybe that's not so weird. Mm. That's kind of like my hope. And also maybe like, oh, I didn't know that God speaks that way. I didn't know that God could be experienced that way. Sure. That's kind of like the intentionality behind. See. So yeah. it's like a vehicle for connecting with people in that for like for instagram for you yeah i see because like when i use instagram and i felt like <laughs> um you know my instagram is pretty uh meaty yeah it's a, uh, <laughs> it's either me working out it's heavy yeah it's, it's very like meaty. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of steak involved <laughs> recently there's been some fishing photos and such like that but um you know and a lot of weightlifting yeah a lot of weightlifting um but you know i never really thought twice to make Instagram a vessel for worship or mm -hmm. to use it as like to create altars, you know, it's just very menial things for me. Mm. My day to days, I don't know whether it's like things I thought was kind of impressive mm. uh, or things that, you know, I enjoy like steak and stuff. I mean, the steak thing, I think for me is an altar Yeah. Um, because for me, that's just how I accepted Christ into my life. Like that was like one of the ways in which that, um, Something about it just kind of reminds me that, oh, like, there's there's joy. Or, like, there, you know, I had an immense feeling of joy um, when whenever I, like, I'm around steak, you know? So, like, mm -hmm. it, like, brings me back to when I was younger and I was 16 and I came to Christ. Mm -hmm. um, you know, speaking of which, I have that tattooed on my arm. Mm -hmm. uh, and Dr. Sammy talked a little bit about tattoos. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I... I you know to think of instagram as worship or like to create altars um i'm not so i'm not like quite sure how to do that you know mm -hmm. because um i'm not sure what that looks like you know i just mm -hmm. have no reference for it it just seemed like instagram was a way to show people my life mm -hmm. but how do i show people my altars you know mm -hmm. i guess it's kind of like for yeah. me like a question well, I think a little bit of intentionality goes a long way. Mm. Well, I, I like that um, Dr. Sammy focused on the me aspect because mm. there's so much toxicity on Instagram or because of social media, right? I, and I just kind of want to go there for a little bit because um, when people go on Instagram, they scroll through so much of people's highlights, mm. right? Or great photos of dates people have been on or places they visited or experiences they had, um, new things they bought, all sorts of things. And I liked how he brought the focus from, instead of making it about what you're missing out on, mm. your bloopers versus their highlight, um, make it, and you know, it's very like counter counterintuitive or very funny, but it's like saying like, focus on you. Focus on how God met you and how this picture is something for you to go back to. Mm. And I thought that focus was such a great, um, great focus. It was very refreshing. Yeah. Um, and it kind of removes the toxicity out of the whole use of technology and um, for a better reason. And so having said that, I think intentionality goes a long way. So if you're the one posting and you're focusing on you to make these posts, I think even a little bit of wording or int intentionality of 
yes, you're posting something, but obviously it's not something that others won't look at. Mm -hmm. So therefore you're asking others to join in the worship or the, um, or the, the glance of who God is, right? Mm, yeah. So a little bit of intentionality could go a long way, I think. Mm. And I think, you know, the transitioning, I think some people might be like, oh my gosh, you don't know my Instagram. Like, all I say is bro, 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 this, this, this. Like, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so how do I transition from there? Yeah. I think, you know, subtlety is very powerful. Like, subtly you get there. Mm. I think I've seen even you trying to witness by saying... Oh, really? Yeah, I think you, you 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 get a lot of comments. I think when you put up state posts, and I don't think it's all like church buddies, mm, right, or yeah. church uh, brothers and sisters. But I think you make comments like, "Yeah, like God is good." I think you do try. I try to sneak it in there. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I think in the beginning, it kind of feels like you're sneaking it in there. Yeah. Because as an evangelism of some sort, but little by little, the transition, I think, subtly intentionally can be very impactful you mm. know let's see that's encouraging because uh you know it's it's tough for me to think that like because instagram being being such a big part of our lives now it almost feels like your life is on display mm. you know and it's almost like you know these and i'm very fond of picture taking because there's so many moments that i don't want to forget like um mm whether I'm experiencing like nature in like its full beauty, you know, or um, I see a flower or, or something. I take pictures of flowers. Yeah. That's just what I do. Um, or like pictures of like steaks and such like that. Or like, you know, just these moments, like these things I don't want to forget. But also at the same time, it's such like a vulnerable piece you're putting out there. Mm. Um, but I guess like um, the question I'm trying to get to is sort of like, you know, God encounters us in these very like critical or pivotal moments in our lives and you know i think i'm very guilty of this it's like i forget so fast you know um mm -hmm. you know i think even like this recent summer you know there was like very a very critical decision i was making about going to school mm -hmm. um and you know all the thoughts going through my head and just thinking about and even having like powerful rhetoric or uh language about like what god is doing mm -hmm. and like two months from then it's like i almost forget and it's just kind of like i i'm like back to just kind of going through my day-to-day -day life mm -hmm. um and i guess like you know just kind of touching on the second part of the sermon like how do we use these altars and like create these altars that of for moments that god encounters us to like keep us going you know do you have examples of like really powerful moments where you know when whenever you think about it you're like oh i'm gonna i forgot or like this was God's promise to me, you know. Mm -hmm. Do do you have any examples of that? Yeah, I do. I have, um, you know, I'm always, like, very surprised at how God is so involved mm -hmm. in our lives and how I'm, like, surprised daily at serendipitous moments where I'm just like, wow, there was no way I could have made that up. Mm. And where God whispers through an incident or even like strangers, like, Lydia, I am with you. Um, Lydia, I love you. Um, words of encouragement, mm. right? For, to perfect our faith or, you know, to help someone out, to reach out, right? Mm, yeah. Um, 
and even little things and I'll try to think of like a bigger one but like even something little but something so personal I actually went to the gym today like you know oh. like this one so Hello. I went to the gym today and I was um going to the elliptical and I was putting my earphone on mm. and behind me are like the machines where the ellipticals are right, right. and then um I hear these two men talking and um he's like yo bro I just like came back from Jamaica. Uh. <laughs> He's like, yo, and I'm like 10 pounds heavier because I just like ate what I wanted. Mm. But I woke up like I'm like six pounds lighter. Like, dude, like so annoying. And then they're like whispering to each other, each other's weight or whatever. And then he goes, also, he goes like, yo, it's so annoying, right? And then this part really got me and then i'm um, like listening for pretending something's wrong with my earphone and then the other part's like yo and like last night was my son's birthday oh <laughs> he's like yeah and it's funny because it was josh's birthday yesterday yeah, yeah. right he was like yo i just ate whatever i wanted because my son's birthday you know but now i'm paying for it <laughs> but like here i am here and i woke up i thought i was gonna be way heavier but here i am like i feel a lot better but that's so annoying how that happens like my body just <laughs> i just like listen to the whole conversation because uh -huh. my body just wants to hold all this water yo like <laughs> they're all like talking and then um I just found that so funny, right? And then I started to like exercise and then I was re-listening to the message and lately I've been doing like the HIIT, H-I-I-T, mm -hmm. right? So I do high intensity and then I'll do low, but instead of resting, I'll like Say drink active, water yeah. or yeah, like kind of walk it on a lower level. But I was like, that is really funny. And I'm just like, that's that's not a coincidence. Unless this is like typical gym talk. Mm. But what's what is the chance that I'm right there when yeah. they start talking and, and the son's birthday? And then it's almost like I'm having a conversation by myself about how ex how funny this is. Uh -huh. And in my conversation, I hear a knocking in, in my spirit. It's like, Lydia, don't you get it? I am with you. Right? Mm. He's like their story is like your story here you are trying to um improve your health and you're at the gym working out i am with you hmm. and i was like wow god you don't have to be with me here you know what i mean right. of course i know he's with me but it's just a reminder like oh here i am trying to get these calories burned or whatever hmm. you don't have to be here but god you're here with me here you are in this room with me i am like you know, I'm, God, I am so touched by that. Hmm. And so that was kind of like my uh, reminder right. of, <laughs> that was kind of like my reminder of how God's so faithful, hmm. even in the little things that he cares. Because, you know, what do we tend to do? Like when something doesn't seem like top of the list of um, helping someone or doing something grand, right? Right. We kind of just put it, even if it is important to us, we kind of consider it not so important, right? Mm -hmm. And we um, kind of make it trivial. Yeah. But God was saying, no, Lydia, I care about you. I care about how much you want this. Mm -hmm. I care about how much you want to improve in this. Right. And I want you to know that there are so many people who are going through this and... 
it was kind of like God saying, this is a non-judgmental zone. Like, yeah. I, that's how I so felt. So God like, was your uh, coach in the gym. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was like my coach in the gym. So, after, so my workout was great. And like I said, like in the breaks, I would be like, uh, taking notes of mm. ca- how God was speaking to me, like asking, you know, in the rest period, I, I would be texting like, okay, w- what are some ways that I can, you know, apply altars? Yeah. I really like the way that Leighton Ford has 15 minute reminders. What are some ways that I can mm. remind myself? So I was like texting, which is perfect because right. there's a rest period, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess... But there are moments like that, I think, every day. And mm. it's not just for me. I think there are moments like that for all of us. It's just being able, being able to recognize it. Mm, right. So, okay. So, I was doing some grocery shopping at Target. And I saw this. Okay. I saw a table runner. Right? What's, what's a table runner? A table runner is like a beautiful cloth that you would put in the middle oh, of it. It's like, a decorative yeah. cloth. Right? Mm. So, I actually got that. And I'm... And I was like, oh, this is so clever. I have fun with my yeah. altars, but I was like, God, you met me while I was running, so I'm going to get a runner. <laughs> it's not like an excuse to purchase. Okay, got it. But <laughs> It might be a good excuse to purchase if you... <laughs> well, maybe that is, the, is a great reason to mm. purchase. But So I got a table runner full of life, of pictures of beauty. Mm. And to... Cause it was like me celebrating. Like I remember, I remember. I'm gonna remember when I look at the runner. Yeah. Um, I remember God was with me at the gym. Mm. That's really he was cool. Coaching me. Yeah, that's really cool. Cause you know, I think one of the first assumptions I had when listening to the sermon was like, oh, these altars are huge, mm. gigantic moments that I should never forget. Like, mm-hmm. for example, if I'm thinking biblically, it's kind of like when, <laughs> um, you know. They were the Israelites were rescued out of Egypt. Like mm. that, that was like huge moments. But like mm. to think that even like the small moments could be altars, you yeah. know, and like we can be creating altars almost on a daily basis mm-hmm. to be reminded of God's faithfulness in our lives. Because then I could do that, you know. Because mm. I think there's so many moments in my day that I'm reminded of how good God is. Like mm. the gym is a perfect example for me. Mm. Um, I like the gym because it gives me the space to be by myself but Mm. just like you said it's not like i'm really by myself Mm. um there's moments where i could be like very hard on myself and Mm. be like oh like joe you suck or something like that it's like these voices that are kind of demonizing Mm. but it's always and in knowing god's voice and in knowing who god is in my life you know sometimes there's like very redemptive moments where it's like this is just part of life joe and you know you fall one day but you know just because you fail or such and such it's like I'm still here with you. And what matters is that you tried, you did your best. You know, it's like very, you know, just like earlier we said, it was like coaching, you know? And it's like, those are moments that remind me like, oh, because like if I think I was berating myself all the time, I probably wouldn't like the gym so Mm -hmm. much, you know? Mm -hmm. But there's like encouragement at the gym for me. There's like moments where I feel like invincible or I really feel like a lot of joy and I feel like um, God is with me in those Mm -hmm. moments that I can feel like I could take away a victory for the day. Mm-hmm. you know and so like it's really encouraging to know that even those small pockets of where god encounters us whether it's in like prayer mm-hmm. or even in like powerful journals mm-hmm. um just goes to show that like god is like kind of ubiquitous he's like always with us and very involved mm-hmm. um so yeah i cool. think um going back to the spiritual exercise mm-hmm. of things that um the daily spiritual exercises that work us out for the future for eternity right 
I think the word is a good example of an altar too. It's kind of like you get to read about people's altars, but also it becomes your altar because when God speaks to you and I, it's very encouraging. It reminds us Mm. of God's faithfulness. Yeah, sure. Maybe then I think that really goes to show like why people hold certain verses so so close to their hearts Mm -hmm. or like you'll see people's Instagrams that have like Jeremiah or something like Mm -hmm. in their profile. Mm -hmm. And I think even like verses serve as altars really, you know, I think um, now that I'm being more involved with the word and I'm trying to involve it as a daily practice, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are certain verses that I'm like even thinking about getting like tattooed and stuff mm-hmm. as tacky as that is, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, because there's a lot of people with cross tattoos and mm-hmm. like, but and verses. I should get that tattoo, right? Of a verse. Yeah, you should with <laughs> Dr. Sammy's oh, yeah, he would consultation. Love that. Yeah. He'll sign it on the bottom. <laughs> Signed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's like, because like, you know, I think Dr. Sammy does have a point where these tattoos almost serve as like, oh, I always want to remember mm. these things, you know, and like one of the verses I was thinking about was something from James. Um, uh, Philippians one twenty one. Oh, or yeah, to me, to live is Christ, that mm, one, Yeah. and, and to die is gain. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's Philippians one twenty one. One twenty one. yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm even thinking about like getting that tattoo now because I'm like, oh, that's that's like what I want to remember every day like i i think like to die for christ is everything and to live for christ also is like even more mm. you know um and so like these have like powerful meanings uh that we carry with us mm. um so yeah i mean i think it's like these verses also serve like as reminders of who god is in our lives and how god has shown up for his people and how god you know fulfilled his promises mm. you know um, which is so crazy to read in Genesis because, you know, there's, you know, the Israelites do, you know, settle in Canaan eventually. And, like, they do, you know, like, time and time again see how God has pulled through in their lives. Mm. But it's it's almost like we're prone to forget, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think the greatest thing about remembering what God has done is mm. that it reminds us of the pronoun of when God speaks, I will. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I think that a lot of times we get stuck in like, I need to make this happen or how am I ever going to get there? Or, mm. you know, and we get stuck in, in so many ways and discouraged. But the reminders of God's faithfulness is so critical and also so powerful because it reminds us that God says, I will. Mm make you into a great nation i will bless you yeah and um it reminds us that you know for like for control freaks many of us are right Mm. to be able to let go and say you know what i struggle with that but ultimately it's his grace it's his it's his calling in my life he will carry me Mm. and i think a reminder of god's faithfulness is so strengthening and perfecting of our faith you know so for sure yeah i definitely had that takeaway too because i'm a big planner or like Mm. try to come up with as many plans as possible especially like now that i'm gearing up for like school and Mm. such like that like oh i'm gonna how do i how do i figure this out Mm. but you know i i'm well aware that there's my part and my part is to be as faithful to god's promise Mm. as possible and Mm. and in knowing and having faith that god is faithful and good um, is like the most I can do, but it is really, um, you know, it does lift a big burden off your shoulders when you think like, oh, 
yeah, we're probably going to forget, but you know, mm-hmm. God's not going to forget. You know, I think the one of the biggest altars I've had this year was like when I was, you know, really thinking through and having conversations with you and Dr. Sammy about school and such like that. It's like the word I got that, you know, God hasn't forgotten who you were Mm -hmm. like you know i was very interested in these academic pursuits and such like that when i was young and i'd forgotten that Mm. this was a pivotal part of me um but god didn't forget you know those things and now i have an opportunity to try and see if this is you know like something i can do that Mm -hmm. would provide meaning or something like that you know something i'm still working that out Mm -hmm. um but it's it just goes to show like after even 20 something years god didn't forget even Mm -hmm. though i've forgotten like Mm. something that was like a part of me, but mm-hmm. God didn't forget the smallest detail about who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really encouraging because I think it really highlights, you know, just how how good God is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the best way I could put it. It's just God is, has always been good and always will be good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, but I do have mm. a question because we do forget. Mm. What are some of the ways that you remember? You know, because, you know, I, me being very forgetful, it's almost like you get lost. You know, you don't even remember, or it's like you don't even know that you've forgotten, mm-hmm. especially when we're so busy. Like, um, do you have any mediums or any ways in which you can share with us that help you to remember God, you know, often, daily, mm-hmm. weekly, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe even? You know what? I'm like, this is the first uh, example that comes to my mind. I think tithing is kind of like an altar, too. Mm. Because you're saying to God on a regular basis by sending in that tithe, saying, God, this is a reminder of you, that you are my provider, Mm. that you are faithful in my life, that everything you have given me is yours. And this is just a percentage. Well, tend to be uh, specific, I guess, on a beginning level, but like to say this is what I give back to you, Lord. Mm. And I think that's an altar of God's provision that I can tithe, right? Right. And that God has been faithful and that he will be faithful. Because you asked me on a regular basis, what would that look like? Yeah. That's pretty on a regular basis, right? right? No, weekly or bi-weekly, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, I think that's the one that I could think of now. Yeah. How would it be different from the spiritual exercises like that we mentioned? Because mm. like um, for me, I guess what I'm noticing lately is that even when I first thing I try to do when I wake up is read some like a chapter mm. of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it just goes mm. somewhere mm-hmm. that I can't mm. even recall what I just read. Mm-hmm. And like I'm trying to be as mindful as possible to be mm-hmm. like, Okay, like I'm trying to, you know, marinate this this word I'm trying to read, but it's just not sticking. It's just mm-hmm. not sticking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like I I think like what I what I'm seeing is like eventually over the weeks it's kind of like it's just I'm like kind of just reading out mm-hmm. of like habit now and mm-hmm. not even really like letting the letting it sit mm-hmm. in my mind or in my heart mm-hmm. and such like that. And so mm-hmm. like I forget that that's the point. Mm-hmm. And I think that the point is to just read it, mm-hmm. you know, but like I'm trying to get to understand God at a deeper level or something mm-hmm. like that. And I, I forget the point of the exercise as opposed mm-hmm. to like doing the exercise, mm-hmm. you know. And so like, I guess that's just kind of like, like 
what comes to my mind because that happened to me this morning i was mm-hmm. like that you forget yeah i was like reading i was like okay i guess i get it mm-hmm. or something like that i'm just very quick to be like i, I read the thing mm-hmm. and then try to move on with my day mm-hmm. um but you know i forgot like what i was trying to do is be very intentional about what god is trying to speak to me about through mm-hmm. something i've read from the word mm-hmm. you know i don't really have a holy answer for that i could i have a practical one practical is good i like practical um holy it would be like well you're just gonna have to remember joe (laughs) but i don't think that (laughs) i think that's the whole point why god reminds us do not forget do not forget Mm, um practical one would be you know what i've been loving um since we do have our phones mm. and I love the YouVersion app mm. and I love that when you join a community in YouVersion, it, it tells you everything everyone's reading yeah. <laughs> and all mm-hmm. the verses everyone's highlighting and all the image pictures everyone's creating. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's like, I think you could make it private. Um, but, you know, honestly, at first I was kind of annoyed at that whole like, mm notification or exposure of what i'm doing right and i'm not gonna lie i hide a lot of my devotions that i'm reading because i don't know it's just i'm i grew up reading my bible in my hand yeah so i'm not really used to sharing everything that i'm reading right Mm. in social media who knew wow i at first i was a little bit uncomfortable with that but more and more i love it Mm. i love it when i get notifications of people finishing up their reading yeah i think <laughs> i think today or yesterday was a joke i think you're reading uh having coffee with james yeah i finished it yesterday yeah. <laughs> yeah. and um i remember i was making my coffee in the morning or something and i think i saw a notification joe has finished <laughs> his coffee with james or something <laughs> like that and it reminds me of people of God, people in my community that are seeking him. Mm. And for me, that's a reminder of God's faithfulness too. Mm. And even putting um, people putting up images of verses that spoke to people or verses people want to hold on to, like you said, because you said you usually forget yeah. even the verses that really spoke to you. So do I. Mm. Um, and how people highlight and make images of that. I think... When others see that, I think people are also encouraged mm. by that. And I love how, like, go give them a, what is it? Like, they have earned a badge. Yeah, earned a go badge. Go congratulate yeah. them. So, like, I go congratulate. <clears throat> I think I congratulated you. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I congratulate other members of our church. And it's kind of like a relay race that we're in. Mm. Not that re- reading for the sake of finishing a book is an accomplishment, but it's what happens in what you take in and, and absorb in reading that. So right. to know that um, fellow believers are reading and seeking and hungering and um, being equipped by God's word is kind of like a relay race, you know? Yeah. We're like all spread out and you're like, yay, I'm done. Like, oh, God spoke to me. And you're like, tag. Yes. And then you run on, and then it's like a short race, yeah. but you go and you tag again Mm. and it's kind of becomes a communal aspect so i think one way to not forget or to be reminded because we're so prone to forget is one i think the altar of meeting together Mm. to talk about god's faithfulness um, whether in fellowship small groups service coming together and worshiping Mm. um we always worship before we hear the word right yeah i think 
that's a powerful way of meeting at an altar together, like standing side by side, worshiping God mm. and remembering and um, reflecting and um, even decompressing all um, everything that God has been saying. And I think a lot of people um, during worship time will commune with God or will encounter God's presence in a very convergent way. Mm -hmm, yeah. um, so I think there are different ways we can create altars to remind ourselves. Mm, yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because, you know, as I think I was listening to the sermon yesterday and, uh, you know, the, what I'm trying to touch on is like the part where you said the altar meeting together. I was thinking every Sunday is an altar because mm -hmm. we meet in that church building with the movie theater building mm -hmm. to have service and we meet there every week except for days in the sun, mm -hmm. which is also an altar in itself. Mm -hmm. um, and that's an altar. You know, it's mm -hmm. a place where we meet God. Mm -hmm. um, we pray that God meets us there and then mm -hmm. meets the people that gather together there. And we do that every week to remember, right? We start, we try to start our week so that we can remember mm -hmm. God and like that God is number one in our lives. He's sovereign in our lives. And that, you know, as Christians and as followers, we're trying to live so that we can exalt and glorify God mm -hmm. first above anything else, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think, you know, that gave me a fresh perspective about our community. You know, I think it's, it's an altar in and of itself to be sharing in a community of godly people mm -hmm. on a weekly basis and meeting mm -hmm. together, whether it's small groups or church, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Cause I think we, generally remember things viscerally because we experience things yeah. but i think the whole art of being able to explain that is why we need to be reminded mm. and why not just for the sake of making an altar but returning to an altar why that's so significant is because we may have experienced and and, and have been blessed by a certain experience but it's really returning to it and understanding it Mm -hmm. And acknowledging that God did this gives us almost like fuel to share with others mm, yeah. and to motivate. It becomes a personal motivation to share of God's power and love to others. And it becomes like almost like a sharpened arrow when we actually return and think about it mm. to share with others. Yeah. Um, do you have any like strong moments of nostalgia when it comes to some of the altars that you have? Like, are there any that just kind of like grip you or, cause you know, I'm, I'm thinking of like times where, and this is like such a, like a small moment for me, but for some mm -hmm. reason it just, it's almost, it like almost pangs my heart when I think about it. For some reason I was going into the city on an express bus and I was hitting the Verrazano bridge, mm -hmm. um, between Staten Island and Brooklyn. And, for some reason, I just felt overwhelmed with like emotion or like I just mm -hmm. felt such a strong feeling of something, something almost inexpressible that mm -hmm. made me kind of like teary eyed. I'm not sure mm -hmm. what it was, but like um, and I, even to this day, I'm like, I don't know what that was. Like it was like a year mm -hmm. ago. Um, but whenever I like pass that moment on the bridge now, I'm like, I remember that. You know, and like it, all, it leaves like such an impression on me. Mm. And I don't know if I can categorize that as worship per se, but I felt mm. like it was, you know, almost mm. like I'm for some reason I felt so strongly connected. You felt God's presence. Yeah. Like very mm. for, for out of nowhere. I, don't, I have no mm. idea what happened. I was just I was just going to work or something. 
Um, but you know, that leaves like a very nostalgic feeling whenever I'm like going through that portion of my commute to the mm -hmm. city. Um, and, you know, it reminds me that God is with me, you know, or mm -hmm. God's traveling with me or something like that, something along those lines. And mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, you know, do you have something you also feel like really grips, you know, your heart? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, something that I was reminded of when I heard this message was something that I think God was whispering to me about even prior to the message. Mm -hmm. But it really solidified it for me. And I was thinking about it even when I was, um, you know, at the gym. Is And I mentioned it before. It's how God says, I will. So I remember there was a time, I think it was like 2009. So that's about 10 years ago. 10 years ago. No. When was Josh born? 2012. Six years ago, seven years ago. So Nathan was born 2007, 2009. Okay. So it, I think it was around like 2007, 2008. Um, I was spending time with God. And, you know, not that all my time is with God is so powerful, but I think there's certain moments I'm just like, I know He's speaking to me and I want to write it down. Mm. And I remember He, I heard God in my heart and He said, Lydia, I. He said something like, I will, something, like, what did he say? See, <laughs> I have to actually think about it because I remember it viscerally. He said, he said all these things like, Lydia, I will do great things. Like he was like, kind of like reminding me of his, the things that he told me he would do in my lifetime. And then at one point he said, I will do it. I will do it. He kept saying, I will do it. I was like, okay. There's an emphasis of I will do it. And um, it was that year I actually heard about my father's diagnosis for cancer. And so I was like conflicted because I was like, God, or God started speaking to me about this. And it seems very positive, but like, why would I get this no you know this news that's so like negative hmm. and i remember at the time i was very conflicted like but then god would always pull me back to his promise lydia i will do it because receiving my father's cancer diagnosis there's like a temptation of like a fatalism that sets in hmm. when you hear that someone you love is not going to be well, hmm. but again, it was like, I will do it and I will do it. And I remember at the time I was like typing on like one of those old, it was before Apple laptops. And I was actually thinking in the gym, like, I wish I remember, I wish I printed that out, hmm. you know, but it was ingrained into my heart. Lydia, I will do it. And so I was thinking back to 10 years of what God has done. And I was like, well, God did do it. Yes, my father passed away two years after that, but he died a glorious death. And I don't mean to say that in like an insensitive way to anyone that's kind of like facing this, but he, I was so proud of who my father was and his legacy when he passed away. Hmm. And I think that he came to terms with that too 
um, right before he passed. So it was like a very significant time where I saw a man of God strive all his life for the kingdom of God after he met Christ. And I saw a man of God also um, breathe his last breath wanting to glorify God. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I saw a man end his life and, and I had this thought, um, like, you know, to us, it's sad because we lose him on this earth, but it's really like, yes, he's in a better place, but it's just like very momentary compared mm -hmm. to eternity. Yeah. And I was just like kind of blown away by this thought of, what it looks like from eternity, you know? And even that, because there was a time in that 10-year frame, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to come to terms with that. Mm -hmm. But even in my grief, God's promise came through when he said, I will do it. Right. I will do these great things. And he said, I will do it. And I saw God's faithfulness in that, that it's become a story of beauty. And everything that God has done, and I cannot... I really, sh I mean, I'm actually excited about the retreat because we're going to actually work on this. Mm, that's funny. I was just about to make a comment <laughs> about on about the yeah, retreat. Yeah, I yeah. was excited for it. Yeah. yeah, because we're going to be working on creating altars at the retreat. But I realized, oh my gosh, there's so many. Mm. So much God has done. I felt overwhelmed. Mm. And it was literally, I will do it. I will, you know? Yeah. And, um, the fact that God's been at work and he has been so faithful to all his promises continuing. I'm like blown away and I blank out at the overwhelm, you know, mm, yeah, the overwhelming feeling of it. Yes. Yeah. And it shows me like I have so much to return to, to um, remember what God has done. Right. But even this much like was very overwhelming for me right. because he's been so faithful in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I would say he has done Im unimaginably more right. than I could ever ask for or imagine, as the word said. It mm -hmm. was the last decade has been that. Right. It was like the worst of times, but it was also the best of times of seeing God and and I see how God is working on me. You know, um, Bible says that God is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Dr. Tammy talks about that, that we can't be at Genesis chapter 12 for all of our lives. Yeah. Shady and lacking character. We have to reach to 22. Right. Um, where Abram... Abraham was able to lay it, lay his son down because he knew that even if he had in obedience killed his son, that God would have provided and resurrected him again, you know, like mm -hmm. that. So I see God's God, um, work, work in me and how he's been growing me. And I, I remember I was thinking about this and I was like, wow, like I, it's not that my trust has grown per se, but it's more like because I've seen God's faithfulness, it's like I've, I've been shown time after time how faithful he is 
that my view of him has really grown. Hmm. Like, it is really a relationship where you realize, wow, God is for real. Yeah. Like, God is really good. God is, he is faithful. When he says he's faithful, he means it. So being able to see that over time, I think um, we trust because how good he's been, you know? Mm, yeah. So it's still uh, in a process, as you can kind of tell, mm. but that's kind of like the process I'm in. Right. And it's, and it's you're mentioning how it, even that is like a, almost an over a decade mm-hmm. process, but I can see that like it really fires you up though because you know um you know all that you do for god and like how much you try to live out your life so that you know others can also encounter god i can see that like it's these pockets of moments and these continuous moments where god has been faithful you know is what keeps us going keeps you going Mm -hmm. in your ministry Mm -hmm. right and you know like yesterday dr sammy was talking about how like um when he taught at his own college he thought mm, he he made it yeah yeah like he fulfilled his mother's prayer yeah. for him to become a professor and then now in faculty and also at UPenn like it's so much imagine it's unimaginably more than they could ever ask for imagine right yeah. and how it fulfills his mother's prayer but i was actually thinking about that too like you know it's unimaginably more imagine unimaginably more than we could ever ask or imagine it's so true because i think about even my dad's ministry and when i see you joe because i remember you grew up in my dad's church when i see you and i see god's fruit in you and i remember my dad praying for the members of the church that they would live out the dreams of god like that was his thing that people would live out their dreams of God, mm. I am encouraged. Oh. Yeah. I so a, Yeah, I'm a product of your dad's ministry. Yeah. It it was really like, I mean, it's really amazing how God has continued, mm-hmm. you know, to meet you and how we met again. And, you know, now you're here and you've given your life to Christ a decade ago. And, like, it's, un- I, I don't know, I think my dad prayers are being answered too you know Hmm. i think it it encourages me to see that yeah that's pretty wild yeah that's also in the last 10 years too that's true of what god has done yeah right that's amazing didn't even think about it that way yeah and that's just like going back to i think like paternal figures right but See, I could actually probably, if I go in that direction of thinking about it, mm-hmm. I probably will be here for a while. Because <laughs> I, I start thinking about everyone and I'm just like, whoa, I'm, I'm like amazed. Mm. I mean, like Dr. Sammy gave like, you know, he talked about how Stu spoke and, you know, Stu had to remember by watching these, um, you know these videos baptism videos yeah yeah. baptism videos how people came to christ and he forgot who he led to christ Mm -hmm. but sometimes when people tell me too like oh yeah we met in your small group or you know i met you in in the small group you led and you led me to christ or like something like that i'm like honestly like i go blank i'm like huh (laughs) yeah yeah i remember that but honestly i have to really pause and try to remember right yeah because God has done so much. Like, mm. His grace has been so abundant, you know? Right. 
So I could probably go on. So yeah, you should probably move on. <laughs> <laughs> but I can. I can go on seems, and on. <laughs> it seems like the opposite problem that some of us have. I think some of us are like, oh, God's not doing enough, so we forget. But you're like, oh, God's doing too much. That <laughs> I'm forgetting all the kids. Though. Most of us are like, eh, nothing's happening. I totally forgot what happened last week. You know. But yours is like, man, God did so much already mm. that it's like almost overwhelming that even like every there's so there's more and more good things and like some of the good things are like oh that also happened but i totally forgot about that because like there's also this new good thing and like more good things mm. but you know i think a lot of us can also feel trapped that it's like oh man i'm not experiencing mm. enough good things or something like that and that's why we forget you know we get lost in the mundanity of our lives mm. like we're just a day-to-day grind it's like mm-hmm. you know it seems to be like no movement Mm-hmm. but it seems that you know your life and your story share so much of god's fruit and faithfulness um and what god can do if we can remember if we can mm-hmm. just like really think about it and sit down and you know provide and be and provi- be providing these disciplines in our lives so that mm-hmm. we can do our best to not forget you know mm-hmm. if like that if that was god's commandment for the israelites mm-hmm. you know in the old testament then it's like we too should not forget because mm-hmm. God is good and God is faithful. And it's when we forget, um, then, you know, I think we lose just how much of God's goodness mm-hmm. we've received. Like, you know, we, lo- we lose the impact mm-hmm. and the meaningfulness, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think that's why all of us have to sit down. It's not that I'm better at it. Yeah. If you think about it, like, I think I had to sit down and think about it, too. Yeah. Be- and so I think giving ourselves the moment to reflect. And it- I think a lot of times we know that God has done something. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times we compare or we don't want to acknowledge because I think there's a temptation to not acknowledge what God has done. Mm, yeah. So I think definitely it is working through even the resistance of being self-sufficient even. You know, I think people are in different places with that. But I think if we were really honest, even for um, people in our church that are atheists or agnostic, God has been meeting Mm. people. So it's really about acknowledging And I think part of the um, command to not forget is not just like a brain fart thing Mm. because of busyness, but it's really an attitude thing of posture. God is telling people to remember, not because you have so much on your mind, but it's like you're actually slipping because you're taking me out of the picture. You're not actually acknowledging me. So that's really the command to remember mm. when God speaks to the Israelites. That's a fresh perspective for yeah. sure. Yeah. That's actually the biblical perspective mm. to why God reminds, tells people do not forget. Right. Because people are taking him out of the picture. Mm. Or when there's not much suffering, I think there, there's a tendency to also forget. And also when there is suffering, there's a tendency to forget, to take God out of the picture. But I think why the story of how God met me at the gym is significant to me and it's significant to you is because 
it's in the mundane places where God meets us. Mm. God is more likely to meet us on a bridge on the way somewhere um, at the deli, at CVS, brushing our teeth, doing the dishes, than in front of a church building. Right. He is more likely to let us know that he is with us and that mm. he's knocking on our hearts in those places than sometimes, you know, in the most holy of places, right. wh- whatever that may be, you know? Yeah. So I think it's really going to the resistance even of self-sufficiency and recognizing and acknowledging that it turns to worship. Hmm. Yeah. It's good. You know, I think for, also for like a lot of us that, you know, might, you know, because like for me, I think it's like hard to be in the mindset and be in the, in the attitude, like you were saying of like knowing how faithful God is. Because even though time and time again, God has proven faithful to me, you know, it's, it's so easy to forget because there's so much like on your, on your plate or there's so much that so many things that occupy your mind, which is why I think what you mentioned about don't not forgetting being an attitude it's almost like oh yeah if we can just remember that god is good and faithful in our lives like all these other things we occupy ourselves with or distract ourselves with just kind of melt away mm-hmm. and you know for me to i think even come to a place where i can digest that kind of attitude or digest those words you know i think um i identify a lot with being abram as opposed to abraham or even like very specifically for me like being uh, Jacob before Jacob was Israel you know I think all these characters in the Bible um, you know their characters weren't solid at all and um, you know a lot of them were like either like cheating or like mm-hmm. screwing other people over or you know um, just trying to be self uh, reliant and you know like um, look out for themselves and or like even self-sufficient or you know they're just so scarce about their lives that you know they're willing to throw other people under the bus um, and for me, you know, I identify with that a lot, you know, um, when I was, you know, really trying to be Christian, but also like not live my life for God. You know, I was kind of like skating between the lines of like wanting to have my fun and, you know, going out there like partying and stuff like that. And my character was not very solid. Like I, I had nothing substantial about me that I thought was like worth while or for like for me to have to offer uh to either our community or to god you know i just thought i was going to be like a minor character in god's story or god's narrative um and just kind of be passed over you know because you know i didn't think much of it but god has proven so faithful and like god has proven so good and you know what god promised me when i was younger and first accepted christ was you know I want you to, you know, know purpose because I had such a purposeless and like meaningless life before I encountered God. And I really took that to heart. I was like, oh, like what I crave the most, what I want the most is purpose. You know, you forget, you know, like time went by, I went to college, I was having a lot of fun. But I think it was in the lowest moments of my character, like the moments where I like, you know, almost like, you know, led people the wrong way or, you know, was a, you know, a bad friend to others or like I lost kind of 
the essence of who I wanted to be and like who I try to represent, which was more like Christ-like values. I lost those values because I wanted to be cool or I wanted to have fun. It was in those moments where I think I realized I needed to change or I needed to really be serious about being faithful to God, you know, because God has been faithful to me, but I was not ever really faithful to God and to his promises, even though he's come through for me every single time. And like, mm-hmm. it's by grace that I'm even up to this point in my life. But um, just seeing how mm-hmm. different, like, I guess this chapter of my life is compared to like the chapter before, like if this is point B, quote unquote, compared to point A, you know, even though it was a journey, it, it really started with like a decision to do my best to put God first and remember who God is in my life and why I even began this journey, you know, because if, if God had called Abram to go, you know, God had also called me to go. Mm-hmm. And if Abram had fallen short and was like kind of just trying to look out for himself and, you know, sell out his wife to some emperor, um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess like I had not the same exact experience, but, you know, mm-hmm. in, in my own way. And if Abram, who is now Abram, can come to a place where he has so much faith in God that he's he knows for sure God will come through even in the most critical times. Like, that's the place that I want to be. You know, mm-hmm. I like, without a blink of an eye, maybe a few questions, mm-hmm. be able to say, like, God, you've been so faithful to me. Um, everything I have is yours, and I, I want to live my life so that it glorifies you first. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so I mean that's my heart for a lot of my friends. You know, all my all of the fellow followers and people that are really seeking. You know, God. Numerous times, beyond count, like even to the point of like my life being not in physical danger and such like that. God has proven so faithful and graceful and gracious in my mm-hmm. life, and I know for a fact that you know with faith like god does pull through and god if you're feeling like god hasn't shown up in your life or you know you you don't really feel god's presence you know so we just have to remember that god has been there and god has been there time and time again and god will continue to be there mm-hmm. you know we just have to be mindful to to know that god is with us you know mm-hmm. in, in every moment in every phase of life the morning day and night like always um which is a beautiful thing to me. Mm-hmm. And why I love the gospel is, and the story of Abram and even Paul, Apostle Paul, is that, like, why Paul says that he is the worst of sinners is because he says that when he went around persecuting Christians, before he himself um, encountered Christ and realized that that was the Messiah himself, um, he says he was he is the worst of sinners because he was completely and utterly ignorant mm. and that God forgave him of his ignorance of not knowing this. And um, why I love the story of Abram and so many others is that the gospel story is so not merit-based, but oh, it yeah. is about entering into God's story when you realize that you are shady. Mm-hmm. When you actually come to a realization, I, I do suck. Like, I... I'm a horrible person yeah. or I'm I'm not as good as I thought I was. Pretty it's, selfish. <laughs> yeah, or I'm kind of self-centered. Yeah. Like it's that place that at, is where the door appears for you to enter into God's story. Yeah, it's true. So I think there are many people who feel like, 
you know what, I am literally not that holy or I'm not really um, that type mm. where I could be, you know, pious and, you know, be good. Well, that's why Jesus died on the cross so that you could enter into God's story. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you may have stuff about your character and things you have done that, you know, you may feel like people are going to reject me if, if they ever fi- find out that I've done these things and have made these mistakes. Well, that's not just your story. Things may be different, but we're all um, followers of Christ because we met the Savior who understands and forgives all sin. And I love the reminder of God's word when Sam said he never forgets what he has done in our lives, right? Everything he has been intentional about in our lives, but he does forget one category, which is when we turn to him, he forgets our sins. It's like all of a sudden God turns story on us. Uh. It's like, God, remember that thing that I did? Like, you know, that thing. And God will say, what, 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 what'd you say? What, Mm -hmm. what? I don't remember. I love you. I don't remember. And it's like, God is, he, Bible says that he forgets our sin. He erases them. Like, he's like, what? Mm. what you're my child what what why are we talking about this come on come inside let's have a feast Mm. so you may if you're in that place where you feel like you know what this is gonna ruin my life forever and i'm just gonna be in this slump or darkness forever and all i'm ruined forever well if you're feeling that way that is the place where the gospel can enter true and so it is I think this is God's grace and call and I love the ministry time and I want um, the podcast to end on that because I want all of you to experience what we experienced in real time Mm -hmm. when Dr. Sammy prays and he calls people to take a step closer to Christ. Um, It's time to confess it and give that part of your life to God. If that is the one thing that is keeping you, your shadiness is keeping you from turning to God, this this is it. That is the reason why you should turn that part of your life to God mm. and give your life to God. And the Bible promises that if we confess our sins, that He is faithful and He will wipe it away. So Amen. He will forgive. And that is the promise of God's word. And that's why all of us um, follow Him because we've been caught in our in our shame and our sin explicitly implicitly and we found the reason why we needed the savior which was grace to be able to realize that Mm -hmm. so if that's you pray with us um and as you listen to the ministry time let's pray together Mm. and um turn to god this is a new day and mercies are new every morning and the word of god says I remember um, Mary says this when she gets her call to be the mother of Jesus. She says that waves of mercy is given to those who fear God and also who are in awe of God. So if you're in awe of the message of the gospel that it is so good, turn to him. God's mercy is here today for you, new for you and I. So I encourage you to turn to him today and give that part to God and give your life to God today.
Amen. Thank you for the conversation today, Pastor Lydia. You're welcome. <laughs> and here's uh, this week's ministry time. Will you lift your hands to the Lord today and create an altar and say, God, I want to encounter you in my life. I want you to meet me. And the beauty is that we, cre- we go back to the altars of our lives that where God met us. But the great news is God creates new altars, new experiences, new places. Today, I pray that the promise God made to Abram, you would, by faith, tell someone next to you, by faith, what is faith? It's hope for things unseen. How can you have hope for the things unseen? How did Abram have hope? Was it a foolish thing to do? That's why the Bible exists. It's history, empirical history of how God has met numerous people that said yes to him, to the call, and been faithful. Your faithfulness has, is not contingent upon how God's faithful. I pray today that you would give your life, every reservation you have of following him completely, you would throw to the side. Say, God, like Abram, an imperfect man that you refined and used. God, take my life, make it yours. Use me for your glory in big and small ways. So if you're discounting yourself because your character is not there, well, good. Our Father, just like us, we're, we suck sometimes. And that's okay. Come to God in your weakness and say, God, mold me. Make me like you. Show me your ways. If you don't have an altar, make one. Write about it, reflect about it, and then make, take a picture, make something to go back to. And lift it up to God. God, you've promised in your word and in my life to be faithful to the calling you have in my life. So you have Abraham in Genesis 12 lying about his wife to save his life from Pharaoh in Egypt. And then you come 10 chapters later and God puts Abram to test. He says, sacrifice your son, Isaac. And without even blinking, he takes Isaac up to the mountain to to kill him because God said so. And you go, well, that's kind of psychotic. Well, if you saw what Abram saw to be before kings, 
to acquire so much wealth after making mistakes after mistakes and just trying to be faithful? The Bible says that Abram offered his son because he believed that right after Abram died, God could raise him from the dead. And it foreshadows that God would kill his own son and raise him from the dead for the sins of the whole world. Folks, not playing games with you, okay? If we don't go from point A to point B, what are we doing here, right? Like if we always talk about, oh, yeah, 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 we're messed up, we're messed up, we're messed up, we're messed up. Yeah, yeah, God forgives you, God forgives you. If we stay here at Genesis 12 and not 22, what are we doing? The point of the ecclesia is that you go from this point of immaturity, having that heart for God, and saying, God, I want to be here. Where whatever you say, whatever you're doing, I'm down. And I have that kind of faith. And let me tell you, that faith of Abram is what changed the world. The Judeo-Christian values is what made Western civilization possible. Everything we see today, technological events, is possible. That's the faith I want. It's not the faith you want. We got to grow. We got to move along. All you need to do is say yes. Imperfect as we are, we start. God says that the beginner of our faith will also be the finisher. <clears throat> so today, will you pray right now? Will you lift your hands to God today and say, God, I want you to perfect my faith. I want you to move in my faith so that I can grow in my view of you. So whatever challenges come my way, the problem becomes smaller and you become bigger. So it's actually faith that doesn't really grow. It's our view of God that grows, that expands. And then our problems become smaller. And our darkness becomes much lighter. And our burden becomes nothing. Because the God of the cosmos is bigger than all. That's the story of Abraham. And also, it's our story. It's our beginning and also on our end. So will you offer your life to the Lord today? And use it for your glory. Let's make that a prayer. Father, we come before you this afternoon. For those of us struggling with the fear of obscurity, the Bible promises that his plan for our lives will never end in futility. I pray, God, that you would show us the continuity of your plan in our lives. In our darkness, in our place of doubt, speak faith. Help us not trust the future, but help us trust who you are. Perfect our faith, God, in, the, in our crisis, in our darkness, and in our pettiness. You know what my hope is for everyone in this room as we close today? Don't you look at me. Look at my beautiful face. <laughs> It's pretty tan, but 
my hope is that that your faith will be perfected and when people look at your life they'll go wow you're amazing you're like yes I can stand up for that but I pray and my hope is that when people say you're amazing you go no 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 man it's he God is amazing and this is what God did for my life God can do for you amen for you to flourish and point to your creator that blessed you to be a blessing amen God said be the light of the world to shine on a hill for the whole of the world to see so that when they see your goodness and your good deeds and your good works they will praise your father in heaven Let's not be wimps even though I do feel wimpy like Abram did at times let's let's get back up trust him again for you bow your heads for the benediction may the grace of the lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you now and forevermore all god's people say amen god bless you go in peace Everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 5397-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv.